Hey guys, welcome to episode 6. It's going to be the second part of the conversation my dad and I had with my cousin Mindy. Uh, we're going to talk mostly about white nationalism and anti-Semitism, and uh, as advertised, we do touch on the theme of live birth abortions. Before we get started, I just have a couple of quick announcements. The first is, if you guys have any feedback or comments or questions or things you'd like to hear me and my dad talk about, please send us a short voice memo, either by email. You can send the email to finkelsteinandfinkelstein at gmail.com, or you can send it to me via Facebook or WhatsApp. Uh, we'd prefer it to be an audio recording so we can use it in the episode itself. And then we'll be uh, responding to some of the things you guys send in. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask is if you're listening to this, especially on your iPhone, if you could just scroll to the bottom of your podcast app uh, and give us a five-star rating and also write a short review. Apparently it goes a long way in making sure that other listeners can find our podcast. Now it's clear to us who already did this because their name appears next to their review. So if you're one of those people, uh, you get a gold star. Thanks, and enjoy the show. The guy who shot up the um, synagogue in Pittsburgh, the reason why he, he said in his manifesto, which I've read, he decided to target Jews, and particularly Jews in that synagogue, is because of uh, essentially replacement theory, right? Which is the idea that there's this international cabal of Jews that is ushering in immigrants across the border uh, to change the demographic of the country to undermine the white race, right? You want to get into the is... mind of a total um, moronic crazy man i think and, it's and, worth and doing that, if, and then talk logic if you notice if and you then notice talk logic same, based on what he says come on if you notice if you notice that the same ideology is perpetuated by a person who shoots up a mosque in quebec a person who shoots up a jewish temple in pittsburgh a person who shoots up a mosque in new zealand and a person that shoots up a synagogue in san diego and they're all inspired by each other and they're sharing ideas and what is the, essentially at the heart of it it's about being replaced, right? What, what was the chant at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville? It was Jews will not replace us. Why are they so obsessed with Jews? Why do they hate Jews? I mean, I don't know what was in the mind of the person that shot Mindy, but these people that shot these, that attacked these two synagogues recently, that was what they were so upset about. Now, That's exactly what the guy wanted with, who shot me. Donald Trump. Wait, 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 wait. Before you I get mean, into before you get into Donald Trump, let me deal with what you just said. First of all, and we agreed to this, anti-Semitism has been around for thousands of years. It will always be around. There are people who hate Jews for whatever the hell reasons they they have in their heads. And there are people who are raised, you know, and and that's that just keeps propagating itself by how they're raised and who they're raised by. Okay, I don't know that we'll it's ever not be just able. Just how they're raised. I don't know that we'll ever. To. I don't know that we'll ever be able to stamp that out. It's the ideas that they're exposed to. It's not just how they were raised. It's to a large part how they were raised. A lot of people are exposed to Donald Trump, Russ. Okay, and and not everybody's running out and buying guns and killing Jews. Yes, yes, oh. but but if if you're if 
You're constantly bombarded from the NRA, from Donald Trump, from Breitbart. The whole from country, all of these extreme right wing outlets. Hang on, I'm not done. Bombarded. I am not done. I'm not done. You're com- you're constantly bombarded with the idea and the wording that Donald Trump chooses to use repeatedly that we're being invaded. That what's happening with these migrants who are trying to declare political asylum is an is an invasion. Do you think it's an invasion? Do you think that our country is being invaded I by think, people I think from Central America? I think there's major problems going on at the border. Is with, it an with invasion? Thousands of, would, you, with th- would you use the word invasion? What's the difference? There's thousands of people coming up, trying to get in, and some of them are just coming across the border without because, without any legality. And yeah, you could consider that an invasion. They're, they're attempting to get here. They're not coming here to kill us. They're just coming here to get in. Well... The way that it's being depicted is as if they're coming here to kill us. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't know that that's how they're being depicted. If you listen to the rhetoric that there's dangerous gangs from MS-13 and, as Donald Trump put it, uh, Middle Easterners mixed in with the immigrant caravan with absolutely no proof trying to get across the border. And on the fringes of the Internet, you hear about this replacement theory that Jews are constantly trying to help immigrants and Muslims and other other less uh, favorable races to dilute the white race in the United States. You hear that this temple in Pittsburgh is sending aid and sending money and sending resources to these migrants in uh, Tijuana at the border. It's going to seem to you like they're aiding and abetting an enemy invasion. I mean, essentially, if you connect the dots, that's, that's what that's the, the logic that these people put into their manifestos. So what I'm saying is, why is it that Donald Trump and the, the white nationalists and the right chooses to use this language? It's partly to incite their base because fear is a tactic that energizes people, but it's irresponsible. And this is part of the cost. Part of the cost of that discourse is stoking fear and hatred and anger in the hearts of people. That's your position. That's your position. My position is Donald Trump is saying things that are true. There are people trying to... So you think there's... Let me finish. I'm not finished. I'm not finished here. There are people attempting to get into this country legally, illegally, any way they can, coming in thousands, in droves, okay? And and you can certainly deem that to be an invasion, number one. Number two... Mixed in with them are these MS-13 gangs. They are here. They have been horrific uh, murderers and killers and rapists and everything else under the sun, number one, and cop killers. And number two, there are Middle Eastern people mixed in with these. There's no proof of that. There's absolutely no proof of that. Okay. Okay. Say what you will. It, it's been, I'm just been... saying with the fact, which is that no one what has What do you ever require docked... as proof? A court case? A report. Show me one journalist, one report, report. one photo, one one piece of information. The journalists are so left. Have you been and seen anybody down there? I've seen. I spent three days. I spent three days at the migrant camp in Tijuana. I walked around, talked to dozens of people. And every single person that I talked to is from Honduras, El Salvador, or Mexico, okay. or Guatemala. But you only talked to how many? I have not compared seen one thousands. piece of information. I have not seen compared to the one thousands I've, that are coming. I haven't seen one person interviewed, mentioned, documented, photographed, named that was from a Middle Eastern country that was a part of one of the migrant caravans. I wanted to point to one other 
thing that's sort of parallel to what we're talking about. So recently, Donald Trump has been talking about abortions, and particularly he's been jumping on uh, uh, the misspeaking of, a, of the governor of Virginia, who sort of made it seem like after a baby was born, there might be some con- consideration between a doctor and a patient that Oy. they might kill a baby. This, this is a direct quote from one of Donald Trump's rallies the other day. I, I don't care, Russ. Well, I don't care. I, Nobody does, cares about matter. what Donald Trump says. Sure, sure they do. A lot of people care about what Donald Trump says. And I'm going to read I you what he says. I think that's Russ's point. People I'm very gonna, much care what he says. I'm going to read you what he said. The baby is born. The mother meets with the doctor. They take care of the baby. They wrap the baby beautifully. And then the doctor and the mother determine whether or not they will execute the baby. Right. That's good. That's the yes. And that's known as live birth abortion. And that's happening. And it was happening in this country. That's illegal. That's crazy. That's murder. I have a question. Yeah, Mindy. I, I think that, that something needs to be clarified here. You're not talking about a baby that was in gestation for nine and a half, ten months, which is the actual time of gestation, a healthy pregnancy, a viable um, baby comes out and then they're actually murdering it. You're talking about something completely different. You're talking about a, a baby that was born early with potential severe health complications. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a healthy baby, a baby who is viable. So you, a baby think, who is, you think that there are doctors around the country who are executing babies after their birth? I'm not saying, I'm not saying I think there are doctors like in the plural. I know of one particular case. Well, in a in a political uh, climate and, where and a lot of wait, wait, a lot of the presidential shot at a, and you a have lot a of the presidential a lot of the presidential candidates on the left are, are in favor of live birth abortion and that's murder i don't care what you say that's murder nobody has the right to decide for that child once he's outside of the womb i think it goes way back before that but are you talking okay? about a, a child that needs resuscitation or are you talking about like how is this I, I'm sorry I'm yes that's what he's talking about and that's what the, no that's what I the governor talk- of Virginia was talking about and let that's me what tell you what about. I am talking about I know what I'm talking about nobody else does a baby who's born who doesn't have any extreme medical needs other than any other baby that's born maybe premature maybe premature maybe it's six months or five months but definitely viable and they kill it how they drown it. They kill it with chemicals. They drown they the baby. It. You yes. show me proof that somebody drowned, yeah. a doctor drowned a baby. I would love to see that. I really would. As a new mom, I would happens really to be much. A guy, happens to be a guy in jail from the South that was doing that. Because it's against basis. the law. He's in jail. Yes, but your people, Who your people on that? the left. Nobody wants to make that legal, Uncle Norman. But, okay, That's an so insane argument. The reason, AOC, ask AOC her position on live birth abortion. I, I feel like we've fallen into uh, <laughs> an abortion uh, argument. We didn't fall. We didn't fall. You let us. You let us. You let us. Well, what's kind of what's kind of mind boggling to me is I was trying to make a point, which is that Donald Trump says insanely inaccurate and alarmist shit, right? At a time when. People are shooting up abortion clinics. Abortion clinics are bombed by... When was the last time that happened? When was the last time that happened? That 
happens, and that is a danger. When which was is the why last time that happened that you're bringing it up? Because you just said Donald Trump says these crazy things at a time when people are bombing yeah. and shooting up. When was the last time? Every, you, every, every abortion clinic has uh, has to consider all their security. When was the last time you read, heard, or saw anything about an abortion clinic being bombed? Uh, can or I tell shot you why up? they're not? Can I tell you why they're not? Because they've gotten rid of so many of them. It doesn't matter. He said at a time, Donald Trump is saying this stuff at a time when people are shooting up and bombing abortion clinics. He's wrong. The point I was making. You're not making a point. You're not. You're making no point. You're making a point that makes no sense. Well, he hasn't finished it to be able to know if it made sense or not. He's, he's said it 62 times that Donald Trump makes outrageous comments, and people at the same time, people are going out and bombing and shooting up abortion clinics. That's not true. It is a danger that those that exists. It's a danger you can get hit by a ice truck when you're crossing the street tomorrow. That was so what? Give me a quote from the internet of the last time there was a shooting or bombing. It was at an 2015. Okay, so it's four years ago. Well, that's like but that this was is a happening major every. Day. This is happening every day. Right now we have we're here to talk about a legitimate problem: people shooting up. Right. You know, and 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 so getting. Getting back to anti-Semitism, if we will, if we may, uh, I was trying to draw a parallel there about the 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 discourse, right? The Russ, discourse before we of- move on, don't you dare cut out anything I just said. <laughs> don't you dare. <laughs> the discourse, because you have the power of that edit, and I, if you do, I will get you. I will get you. you get How are you going to get, get him? You. He's my son. I kick the crap out of him when I want. <laughs> The discourse, the discourse, right? Yeah, of the right, the discourse of white nationalism that contributes to anti-Semitism, right? White nationalism isn't right; it's left. How how is that possible? It just is. It's left okay. extremists. They're they're uh, anarchists. White nationalists. They're anarchists. White white nationalists are extreme nationalists who believe in. Uh, that America should be uh, ruled and controlled by white people. They don't belong on the right. They belong on the left. Well, you can read their writings in right-wing websites and newspapers. So what? Uh, so what? How? Wait, Uncle Norman. Okay. How do they believe on? How how do they belong on the left? What is it in their belief system that you've heard about that makes them feel like they should be on the left? They. They are against this country's standing. They are against what the Constitution says. They're against. In what way? What I mean, have they an, said? They are, they're anarchists. They want to rebel. They want. No, they don't. They, they, that's not what they said. They said they want the white. They think that America should be a white nation, and that America which is contrary, was established by Western which civilization. Which is contrary to what the Constitution and the amendments and our country is all about. So how does that make them go so, on the left? Because they're leftists, they're far leftists, as you, was as was Hitler. Hitler was not a leftist. <laughs> he certainly was. He was the National Democratic Party, the the, the National Socialist Party, the social Democratic Socialist Party, which is what the, the by, national, by the way what Bernie says he is a national a, that, that a socialist. The, nation, the National Socialist Party is different than the Democratic Socialist Party. Very very different. And I, I'm socialism in Brazil. Socialism is on the left, my friends. But but the not the Nazis were not socialists. The Nazis reacted against socialism. 
they fought against communists. They thought Jews were uh, communist uh, infiltrators who were collaborating with the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union no, was their second Jews, enemy immediately felt, after the Jews. They felt Jews were vermin. Sure. But my point is, look, let me tell you a little anecdote. Uh, the president of Brazil recently visited Yad Vashem. Okay. Uh-huh. It was the Hol- Holocaust Memorial Museum. And afterwards, he gave a little speech where he talked about, he, he essentially repeated what you're saying now, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that uh, Nazis were leftists. Oh, so he's an intelligent guy. I wouldn't really describe him that way. But anyway, I'm going to read I'm going to read to you a quote from Yad Vashem's website, okay? The now, frustration. Now you're, now you're telling me you want to you want to who's use an author- who the words- is there is there a greater is there a greater authority on the roots of the Holocaust than Yad Vashem? Is there an institution that studied it more and thought about it more and looked more into it than the Holocaust uh, Museum? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I think the president well, here, of this Israel... Is, was... This is... Everyone pointed to this chunk of their website after Bolsonaro said that Nazism came from the left. This frustration, together with intrinsic resistance and warnings about the surging menace of communism, created fertile soil for the growth of radical right-wing groups in Germany spawning entities such as the Nazi party. So I, it, when, when we're talking about anti-Semitism, we're talking about white nationalism, it's important to put your finger exactly on what it is that we're talking about. The people who are going and shooting up synagogues, the people who are going and shooting up mosques are doing it with an ideology. They're not all, it's not just because they're emotionally or mentally unstable people. And to categorize them that way, and to paint them purely as that. I am not. Is, I am not painting them purely as that. They happen to hate Jews. Why do these people in particular hate Jews? It's, it's worth looking at. And what you'll find if you read their because manifestos. They were, because they were raised that way. And they've, that's, that's what they. One, the kid in Poway was not. His family says he was not raised that way. He was raised in the church. And he found this stuff online. Uncle Norman, can I ask you a question? Yeah. The, um, th- what happened in Charlottesville? And the response that Donald Trump gave, do you agree with what he said? Well, if I remember correctly, he said that um, there were some on the on both sides that were um, very good people, good people. And I would imagine there were. I mean, I, I don't think everybody marching was a Nazi. I, I, they were marching. They were they were holding torches and chanting, Jews will not replace us. Wait, 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 wait. Let me let finish. Me, let me finish. Wait, I have a part. Not every one of them was holding so wait, those. Okay, not every point, one of them believed that. To, to your point, Uncle Norman, if not everyone was, was saying that, they were standing next to the person who was. Are you okay with somebody who's willing to stand next to a person yelling that? You know, I could cite a lot of things where people stood next to other people who were sh- chanting all kinds of horrific stuff. But that, we're not asking about other things. We're asking you about this. This particular situation. Would you consider okay. that person a very what good was, person even if they weren't saying was, it themselves? What was the purpose of that? What was the purpose of that? To march? unite the right. Literally, to okay. unite the and right. And there were a lot of people, there were a lot of people who were Republicans, who were right-wingers, who were not racists. And they were probably but, there marching and doing. And you're okay you know, with them tr- tr- standing next to somebody saying Jews will not replace us. I don't know us? that they were. Sta- I don't know that they were standing next to them. 
they were marching behind them or in front of them. Whether they were well, one maybe. foot next to them or or a hundred feet next to them, they were in the same march. Listen, we could talk about you know Black Lives Matter, um, and there are a lot of good people in that movement, and there's a lot of shit in that movement. So do you say that? Everybody who marches for Black Lives Matter is uh, a racist, uh, you know, a, a cop killer, a cop hater. No, there are some. No, good but if people. you attend, if you attend a Nazi rally where it people are doing Nazi, the sick house it was salute not and chanting a, Jews, it was Jews not will a, not replace it. It was not a Nazi rally. It was a right rally. It was a Republican rally. It was not a Republican rally, and no. Uh, Republican. It was a right. It was a right wing. It was a conservative march. Let me tell you what it was. It was made up of white nationalists from the American Nazi Party across the white nationalist spectrum to demonstrate against a decision by the city council to remove a statue of Robert E. Lee. Right. And that wasn't and that doesn't mean that everybody who was there marching was a white racist or white nationalist there were republican conservatives who believed that history shouldn't be changed but they were marching next to a, a nazi you're making you're making an assumption that everybody there was marching next to a nazi i don't okay, know well, that well the the point is um that is the sort of those are the same people that at, at that case were marching to uh, defend a statue. Do we of know a the percentage? General? Do we know the percentage of people who were marching there that were fascist, um, racist, anti-Jew, as opposed to those people who just? If were, you look at look at the people, let me finish. Who let me throughout. finish. Yeah. As opposed to those people that were there to support conservative values. Do, do we know who, the do we know the the statistics? No, so maybe it was ninety percent conservatives and 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 ten percent fringe lunatics. So, so let me ask the, you, you. All you have to do, hang on. All you have to do is look at the people who organized the Unite the Right rally, right? What do you mean, look at them? The, who are the people that organized the Unite the Right rally? Jason Kessler, right, was the key organizer, and he's he's a, literally a neo Nazi. So what? So he's the person who organized this march. So why? So the people who are most going people who to go to most people who go to marches don't know who the hell the organizers are. There's a very small number of people relative to the size of conservatives, a very small number of people who attended the Unite the Right rally. Why is that? Why were people scared to be affiliated with it? You're making why a whole lot of assumptions there, buddy. A whole lot of assumptions. People were scared. Okay, so can I get back to my my first question? Yeah. When I when I asked you about Donald Trump's reaction and I said you you feel do you feel the same way about what he said now you said you because we don't know exactly who was there whatever but my my next question is do you feel like he should have also said at the same time what the neo-nazis at the march were saying was wrong he probably should because he didn't he probably should have he probably should have but there was a there was an outrage on the in the press about um, the right wing fanatics. So he was trying to say, well, let's let's back up. There might be, you know, there might be. Why? Why? Yeah. He doesn't why do he, that in any other time. Why would he, he defend never, them? He wasn't defending them. He, he was, was giving defending, them a chance. He was defending the people who were there legitimately, who are honest, hardworking Americans who are, happen to be conservative. 
the re the reason why I even brought this up and the reason why I think it's worth discussing in this conversation is because a lot of those tropes, a lot of the idea of replacement theory, right, that Jews are replacing the white race with immigrants and Muslims and black people and all the undesirable races, uh, those are those are tropes that circulate in the alt right. They circulate in white nationalism, and every once in a while, they find their way into the mouths of mainstream Republican politicians. I'll give you an example. You 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 use the phrase tropes like everybody out there knows what that means. A trope is like a like a motif, like a a concept uh, that's suggested or hinted at or referred to. Uh, usually it's used to mean like stereotypical uh, uh, things like a like a dog whistle no dog whistle refers to using messaging that's intended for like a specific part of an audience but what, what I'm talking about specifically is like replacement theory right the idea that like Jews are funneling uh, immigrants into the country in order to dilute and defeat the white race, that idea is exacerbated by, for example, when people say George Soros, without any proof, by the way, that George Soros is funding these migrant caravans. Why do they use George Soros's name? Why is it George Soros? That's the because he's Greek. He's Jewish. He's Greek. Okay. So you don't think it has anything? You don't think that replacement theory you, you make assumptions and you call them tropes I, I don't agree with you i don't know why they named george soros he happens to be a, a major financial contributor to the democratic liberal people but there's absolutely no proof that george soros had anything to do with these migrant caravans right i don't but know i don't know I trump didn't doesn't say know that. either trump doesn't know either but he'll say he uh, didn't say that saying, did he did, did trump say that about george soros yeah he well he said more and i don't more think are so I don't think so, Russ. He, he absolutely did. Lots of people went. say, lots of people say George Soros is funding lots the migrant caravan. Lots of people caravan. say is not Trump saying. <laughs> He's attributing it to the a ether. A lot of people. But the, it's not a lot of people. It's white nationalists who are saying that, right? And that's, that's where, we're, that's where that's, the connection exists. That's where the crossover exists. Um, you you, you are, are seeing um, darkness under every... At, at every corner and I don't um, I, you know I'm not a, a, a Trump fan I, I, I voted for him because I couldn't stand Hillary but I, I, I don't I don't uh, worship the man I, I, I think what he's done thus far in this country is uh, he's turned this country around and he's done some great things the economy's booming our foreign policy is strong again um, I feel real good about all those things there's some things he does I don't like. You know, there's some things ever... he says. There's a lot of things he says I don't like. But, you know, you, you take your president. Uh, he's a package. He's a whole human being. He, he has all kinds of stuff going on. Everybody, every one of them does. Let me just ask you this. Do you understand the, the points that I'm making? Or do you think that everyone who's saying and thinking the things that I'm saying and thinking, which is a pretty substantial portion of the country, is crazy that, and there's that's your no. position that's your position i want to tell you something a pretty substantial portion of the country voted for the guy sure i, I i'm not i'm not disagreeing he's not with any that. different now than he was when he was running he's the same guy he's the same guy but let me ask you this do so you they knew what they were understand getting. when do half you, the country voted for him they knew what they were getting half of the country so, voted for him and half of the country so, continued so to you're telling him. me a substantial portion you know you're wrong 
a substantial portion of the country also thinks that Donald Trump is a racist and that he has time and time again uh, avoided addressing white nationalism, avoided addressing racism in this country, that he's constantly coming down on black athletes, that he demonizes and dehumanizes immigrants and Muslims. And a lot of, and a, and a substantial portion of the country think just the opposite. So what? Well, my question there'll to you... There'll be an election. There'll be an election question, in two years, and we'll, and we'll find out. My question to you, as your son, something I'm curious about is, do you not think there's any credence whatsoever to that position? I don't know. I'm telling you, there's a lot of crap that he says that I think is outrageous. There's a lot of stuff he says which may be hateful. There's a lot of stuff he says that is stupid because he attacks people who don't deserve or need to be attacked. Um, you know, so he hurts himself. He brings a lot of the crap on himself. But, you know, I, I told you, I don't, I'm not a massive supporter of the guy, but I'm conservative. And everything he's done thus far, excluding what he may have said, has been pretty conservative. I just have to say that for the last couple of minutes, I forgot that I was part of your podcast, so I thought I was just listening to it. <laughs> what, what, do you think, like, what do you think we're paying you for? I jumped in here. <laughs> Top dollar, I might add. Top dollar. Not enough. <laughs> uh, Any, Mindy, I mean, you are a survivor of a anti-Semitic uh, shooting. Yeah. What do you make of what I'm saying? Does it does it resonate with you? Do you feel like white nationalism that's in uh, the fringes and in the minds of these violent people is reflected in the mainstream political discourse? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that it's it's absurd to me that after what happened in Charlottesville that Trump didn't denounce what what took place, um, and yet he's quick on Twitter to denounce any other actions that take place by people that are not white. Um, I think that that's absurd and crazy. And I think that it, it stirs the pot and stirring the pot can only make people that unfortunately are aggressive and want to um, take people out, if you will, who have easy access to guns, even though they shouldn't basically have the opportunity to do so. And he's inciting them. Now, wait, Uncle Norman, because I know you're about to chime in. I, I was. I really was. <laughs> I know. And here's the thing. The person who shot me, he didn't, he wasn't born and woke up one morning and was like, you know what? Today's a great day. I'm just going to go find a place, um, stop and get gas. Oh, I see a sign. I'm going to go inside and shoot. No, he was brought up in a world where um, violence was talked about uh, anti-Semitism was talked about and discussed and all of this rhetoric was surrounding him so much so and he was a little bit off his game and so that was the opportunity that he had to try and kill people and he stated I want to send a wake-up call to America to kill Jews what the actions that are taking place 20 years later and the rhetoric that's out there and uh, and the discourse that's taking place is getting people like Furrow stirred up to enact the similar types of violence. And that's terrifying. Pharaoh never heard Donald Trump speak, I would imagine. Yeah, but um, we're not talking specifically I'm about not Donald talking Trump. About I'm I know, talking about, I know, I know, talking about I know. white nationalists, right-wing white nationalists. I'm talking white about nationalists. White, nationalists, white, na white nationalists, which 
is basically a new way of uh, of talking about neo Nazis and talking about Aryan nations, which he was a part of. The, they all gear up to the same thing, and Trump is is basically spewing words to them because he he gets them excited and he knows he does. They're a part of his base. I'm not saying they're the only part of his base, but they are a huge part of it. Do you and think, it's a problem. Do you that, think Trump is anti-Semitic? I think Trump isn't anything. I think that Trump... <laughs> no, I'm serious. He's I th- president. I think he doesn't... Well, yeah. Uh, I think Trump, whether he is or isn't anti-Semitic, he has anti-Semitic followers and he knows how to incite them. And he's not doing anything to stop them. Mm. I think he has a Jewish a Jewish daughter and a Jewish son-in-law. And they should be appalled at the fact that he's not doing but, something to stop anti-Semitism. When Steve Bannon was the editor of Breitbart, there was a tag, like a, a tag that you could tag articles on the website. It was called Black Crime. Essentially, a whole news column that just covered black crime, right? Uh, they published the writings of Milo Yiannopoulos, who is a neo-fascist who's been banned from every social media website for spewing racist, fascist hatred. Steve Bannon thought it was worthy of publishing him. Ben Shapiro, who is also a conservative, in my opinion, racist writer, left Breitbart during that ben time. Ben Shapiro, you're calling a racist? Yeah, I think he's he's Islamophobic oh my, for sure. Oh my god. Speaking oh about god. people speaking about people who inspire uh, right wing white nationalists, the person that shot up the mosque in Quebec specifically quoted Ben Shapiro's writings. But that's neither here nor there. He so left what? Breitbart. So he, what? They quote a lot of things. They're crazies. He left Breitbart because he thought it was too racist and extreme. Donald Trump puts him square in the middle of the of the White House, uh, making him one of his top advisors. And for that reason, it's it's hard to ignore the connection that the alt right. But Steve Bannon described Breitbart as the platform for the alt right. So is there a direct connection between Donald Trump, the White House and white nationalism? Absolutely. It's yes. We Uncle Norman, do you think Donald Trump doesn't incite white nationalists? I don't, for one, claim to have knowledge of what incites white nationalists. I don't think they need inciting. I think they're freaking lunatics, um, you know, who... You act- don't think there's more um, anti-Semitic and, uh, and uh, crime and hate crimes that are taking place because of what's uh, the discourse that's happened in the country over the last couple of years? No, I think there's an increase in in anti-Semitism in the world. I think it's happening all over Europe. It's happening in France. It's happening in in Great Britain. It's happening in Germany. And it's happening in this country. country. So you can't blame it on Trump. You can't blame it on Trump because it's happening. I'm not not solely blaming it on him, but do you think that he has a hand in it? No, no. I don't think he's racist. I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I don't think he has a hand in any of it. But what do you think think about what what he says? What? Sorry, you don't think what he says has any tie to people uh, feeling uh, extreme in their views? If he does, it's not intentional. Why did he hire Steve Bannon to be his advi- political advisor? Because he's a racist. Okay. What? What? what, no, what is no, that? No, not because he's a racist. I, I'm not making. I'm not trying to make the point that Donald Trump is a racist. I'm trying to make the point that a lot of the political alliances that exist now. In what are what have become mainstream conservative politics, those alliances involve white nationalism. Why did he fire Steve Bannon? 
I don't know because he did because Steve Bannon apparently like, didn't get along with his kids. You're giving you're giving him credit as a racist or a supporter of racism for hiring Steve Bannon. Why, why don't you take away some of that because he fired him? He I don't think he fired him because he's a racist. I think he fired him because he wasn't getting along with his kids. Or but at he, least that's so he the, he hired him because he's a racist. But he fired no, him for no, another reason. No, he hired him because he had a hyper energized niche but incredibly mobilized. Uh, demographic of people on the right who go who run the gamut from being sort of like hyper online uh, libertarian hacker activist people to your you know run of the mill uh, KKK white nationalist. Steve Bannon had access to the ears of that entire spectrum of people. And that's in your mind. That's why Donald Trump hired him. Yeah, because he was because Steve Bannon. Uh, became a, a sort of marketing genius to talking to those sorts of people. And that was a demographic that no one else in the Republican field during the primary had access to. Why do you, Uncle Norman, why do you think he hired Steve Bannon? Because Steve Bannon was a marketing genius. And Steve Bannon, um, you know, was the, the head of Breitbart and running it well. But do, but do you understand like what I'm saying about Breitbart? I disagree. Like, you... I understand, but I disagree. So you, you don't... disagree that Breitbart is a a caters to white nationalists. I disagree. That's the reason Trump hired him. I don't know if he who he caters to. So why? I don't read. Do you think I, don't read I don't read Steve Bannon. I thought Breitbart when Breitbart was alive was great. But under Steve Bannon, did you ever? What, what's your perception of I Breitbart? I don't know. I didn't. I don't. I didn't follow Breitbart. So if I'm telling you, if what I'm telling you is true, that there was a special tag that you could click on and read all these articles about black crime, you don't think that that's racist to have a, 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 a tag on your website called black crime that you can click on to read about all these crimes committed by black people. It, it, it may very well be racist. And if that was the sort of uh, initiative that Breitbart undertook under Steve Bannon, which is uh, to, to, to his credit, or I guess to your credit for recognizing him as a marketing genius, was very savvy if what you're trying to do is concentrate and, and intensify the attention of people on the extreme right with racist tendencies. That's exactly what that was intended to do. And he's very I, good at doing it. We've agreed I there. I don't know. I don't know that that's what he was intending to do. You're saying that. I know he was a brilliant marketer, and he and he brought a lot of people to, to Trump's campaign. Okay. Well, I, I think this might be a good ending point unless, I mean, there's anything else anyone wants to say. Mindy, there's something I was hoping you could talk about to sort of wrap things mm -hmm. up. First sure. of all, do you have any thought? Do you have any, am I like cutting you off from saying something that, no, I was just listening. Okay. We were talking about something yesterday that I was hoping you could sort of touch on again, which is like the reason why um, this conversation is like important to have and the reason why I think like me and my dad are both grateful that you joined us is because we understand it's hard for you uh, as a survivor of gun violence. One of the things that mm -hmm. um, I think goes undiscussed uh, a lot of the times is we, we talk a lot oh, about people I that die in shootings, yeah. but we don't always talk about people, the, the no. lasting impact of people who survive them. Sure. Yeah, I think, you know, we talked a lot about the fact that 33,000 people are killed every year by guns in the United States, but there are 100,000 people that are wounded, I being one of them. 
um, because I was shot myself. Um, and, you know, if you look at my situation at the Jewish Community Center, there were five of us that were wounded there, but there were hundreds of people in that Jewish Community Center, many of which can't even be in the same room with me because they suffer from survivor's guilt. I myself suffer from survivor's guilt. And, you know, I was pregnant this past year and had to have lead poison testing to make sure my child wasn't going to be born with lead poisoning. And there are things that take place in survivors of gun violence um, over the years that nobody actually thinks about. And the post-traumatic stress, most people think PTSD only affects people coming back from war or police. And that's BS. Um, there are a lot of us living every single day dealing with um, panic attacks and nightmares because of what took place. And I think that that's something lost amongst the media and amongst anybody in this discussion. When we talk about gun violence, we only talk about the numbers of dead and we rarely talk about the numbers of survived. And we certainly don't talk about them many years later when they're still suffering from their trauma. And I hope this conversation and many others, when you talk to survivors, actually brings it back up. Well, thanks, Mindy. That's great, Mindy. I re that, that's a very uh, powerful thought, and I agree with you. Because a lot of times I feel like, you know, we talk about politics a lot of the times almost in a sort of vacuum, right? Like these are concepts. We can spar with each other. We can have different opinions about issues. You can talk sort of vaguely about anti-Semitism and white nationalism and gun violence, but like it's important to remember that what we're talking about are things that destroy lives, end lives, and, you know, we're glad and you're here. And follow we're, lives. Follow lives. Yeah. And we're glad you're here with us. Very much so. Oh, thanks, guys. And mm. might I say again, I'm going to reiterate, I hope you end conversations with an I love you because it's really important to remember that at the end of the day, you might disagree, but you're still father and son, and we're are still we Finkelsteins. That is so true. We uh, Finkelsteins first. We understand that. And mm -hmm. uh, I love both of you. I love both of you as well. Love you too. Thanks, Russie. Thanks, Uncle Norman. Hey, guys. Just a little reminder. If you have any reactions or thoughts or questions or something that you'd want me and my dad to talk about, send us... Uh, a voice memo or an audio message you can record it on the voice memo app and email it to us at finkelstein a n d finkelstein at gmail.com or you can send it to us through facebook just send a message to the finkelstein finkelstein facebook page you can send a voice memo there or you can send it to me personally on facebook or on whatsapp if you have my number uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening. What a wonderful world.